On the last episode of Solvable, Hope Manning discovered that a second baby girl had been murdered in Southern Mississippi in 1988, six years after Jackson County Deputy Mike Waugh first found baby Jane in the Escatawpa River. The identity of that child is still unknown. In 2019, baby Jane from 1982's DNA was sent for genetic genealogy analysis, leaving everyone in Jackson County breathlessly anticipating the results. The condition of the sample from baby Jane's water-filled grave was degraded though. So finding out who she was, was gonna take the lab in Houston a while to determine. While authorities waited, they began reviewing the possibility that baby Jane's case and the case of her missing mother may be connected to other crimes that occurred in Southern Mississippi in the years before and after 1982. In today's episode, we're exploring a few of those cases to figure out if they have any relevance to the case of baby Jane. The first case that investigators looked at, in light of everything they'd uncovered about baby Jane, was the disappearance and murder of 13-year-old Rose Marie Lewandowski in February of 1973. Rosemarie attended St. Martin Junior High School in the town of Ocean Springs, Mississippi, about 15 miles west of Pascagoula in Jackson County. Around 1 o'clock during the school day, Rosemarie had a 10-minute break between her math and English classes and excused herself to go to the restroom. She left her books, coat, and purse on top of her desk, but never returned to the classroom. The class resumed without her, and soon, several of her classmates noticed that Rosemarie was gone. A few students repeatedly brought up Rosemarie's absence to teachers, but no one did anything, and no searches got underway to figure out where she'd gone. The school also did not report Rosemarie's absence to her parents, it wasn't until several hours later, when the school day ended and Rosemarie failed to return home, that authorities were notified and a search began. Lieutenant Darren Versaja of the Pascagoula Police Department spoke with us about the investigation. He said that 20 days after Rosemarie vanished, a local police department responded to a report that her body had been found in the nearby Chuticabuff River. She had been murdered. Her face was extremely distorted uh, where she had been dead for quite a while they thought and the hole in her back uh, that they thought was some kind of knife hole or something like that or some kind of uh, screwdriver she was stabbed with a screwdriver and I'm up to that that's got to be pretty damn difficult you know with a screwdriver but anyway uh, you know there's really no indication on that on how long they thought she was there or how long she had been dead According to legal documents and newspaper articles from back in 1973, Rosemary's mother filed a complaint with the school system for not reporting her daughter's disappearance to the authorities or looking for her until the school day was over. At the time, it was a well-known fact within the community and within the school system that the area surrounding St. Martin Junior High School was frequented by characters whose behaviors adversely affected the well-being of the students. Her mother said that if school officials had noticed and taken the appropriate action when Rosemarie did not come back from her bathroom break, it was possible that she would still be alive. To this day, Rosemarie's killer has never been identified and her case remains unsolved. Rosemarie's murder is just one of a string of homicides in Jackson County that is unresolved. The next homicide of a young girl in the area occurred in 1975 that's the case of 16-year-old Janie Sanders. 
Her murder was followed by the 1978 murder of 20-year-old Deborah Gunter and the 1979 killing of 19-year-old Clara Turk. Jackson County investigators have considered that it's possible that several or even maybe all of these crimes are connected. The thought that several young women who were murdered in the late 1970s, all within a few miles of one another in Pascagoula, Mississippi, could be connected by the same predator isn't too far-fetched for Jackson County law enforcement agencies to think. Here's Pascagoula Police Lieutenant Darren Versaja again. I can't say, you know, I uh, I at one time thought that the city of Pascagoula that had at its most maybe 40,000 population, and that's going to be rather high. But the majority of our population is 20, 25, maybe 30,000 is the population. Now, we got a lot of transient traffic, but... Here's my thing is, how many killers can you have in one city that is that small? I mean, how often do you have four young women or girls abducted from similar locations, murdered and discarded in the same area over the span of six years? Also, I should mention that records for each victim indicate that they were all found nude or either bound, stabbed, or drowned. In a couple of the cases, the victims were actually snatched from the same roadway. In the middle of the same area that all of these abductions and murders happened was the last place baby Jane was seen in the arms of what witnesses believed to be her mother. The question we're asking, and the same question Jackson County investigators have to consider is, could baby Jane and her mother be victims of the same predator who murdered all of the victims in the mid to late 1970s? From what we know, baby Jane's mother's description could match the same demographic as each of these women. All of the known victims were young females who were last seen alone. All of them were dumped either in the woods or in bodies of water miles away from where they were last seen alive. One of the cases that Jackson County and Pascagoula investigators have taken a close look at is the abduction and murder of Janie Sanders. On September 24, 1975, at 3.30 in the afternoon, 16-year-old Janie Sanders was walking home from school in Pascagoula when she was abducted by a man on a street corner. The suspect was initially described as being between 20 and 25 years old and was driving a red Mustang. He had shoulder-length dark hair with light streaks, parted down the middle, and feathered at the temples. His hair was described as dirty, oily, and stringy. A witness who got a look at his face said he may have had a thin, pencil-like mustache. Police reports indicate that within 40 minutes of being taken, Janie's young life was stolen. She was found nude, her body on a dirt road off of US-90, 15 miles away from where she was abducted, just across the Alabama state line in an area used to dump trash. She was bound, had been raped, and was stabbed more than a dozen times. Police at the time never found any of her clothes or belongings. Authorities determined her killer or killers had less than 20 minutes to commit this awful crime when you account for the time it would have taken them to drive to the dump site. 
Initial reports that stated her abductor was driving a bright red Ford Mustang shifted when a conflicting account came into police from the game warden who found Janie's body. This game warden said he saw a blue El Camino with a whip-like antenna and a camper speeding away from the dump site shortly before he discovered Janie's body. To make matters worse, there was a state trooper who had been posted on US-90 during the 40 minutes Janie was missing. When this trooper was interviewed, he stated he never saw a red Mustang on US-90 during that time period, but he was never interviewed about the El Camino. It remains unclear today which vehicle, if either of them, could be associated with Janie's murder. Three years later, on Tuesday, December 5th, 1978, 20-year-old Deborah Gunter reported for work at a convenience store in Gauche, Mississippi, a town that neighbors Pascagoula. Around 3.30 a.m., while working her shift, Deborah was kidnapped. According to articles in the Mobile Register, police believe two men took her and held her hostage while they robbed her store and two others. Then, her assailant or assailants took her across state lines to McIntosh, Alabama, where she was bound, strangled, and stabbed to death with a small knife. Just like Janie, Deborah's body was left like trash in an area locals dumped garbage. Her body was eventually discovered on December 9, 1978. Here's Pascagoula Police Lieutenant Darren Varsaja again. She was at a convenience store. Uh, it was a little five-and-dime store, convenience store. It's located in Goche, which is our sister city. It, it's uh, about probably 15 miles from Pascagoula. It's completely off the highway, completely off the interstate. There would be no reason for somebody just, you know, uh, driving around the area. So it, it, too, makes you think that it could be somebody local. But this store's off the beaten path, and then she's dumped over there in McIntosh, Alabama. So you got another Alabama connection. I went and pulled every record from McIntosh, Alabama, out of their port system with anybody that was connected to over here. And there are so many people that come from Jackson County to go over there. So there, there were so many, so many connectors to people over this way. The McIntosh, Alabama, not even there. You know, I mean, I've heard of McIntosh, but I've never even been through McIntosh until I looked at this case. No bitch here all my life. Her breasts were exposed. She was uh, clothed, the hips down, had uh, one shoe on, one shoe off, uh, one stocking. Both stockings were off, I think. She was stabbed 32 times in the heart. She was tied up with her clothing. Um, with a uh, one of her stockings. She had two stockings on, little mini stockings. One of those was used, and her uh, bra was used, uh, and I think maybe her shirt. There were three things tied around her wrist, behind her back. That detail about the way Deborah was bound got investigators' attention, and they'd have no idea how important that would become as the years went by. The only similarity Jackson County investigators saw between Rosemarie, Janie, and Deborah's cases so far 
besides all of the murders having similar victimology, was the fact that all of the victims had been bound. That similarity would unfortunately pop up again when another horrific homicide happened in Pascagoula in August of 1979. That was the case of 19-year-old Clara Turk, who was a young mother from Pascagoula, who had a steady live-in boyfriend, and by all accounts, enjoyed her life like most young women her age. She had been seen the night deceased. That would have been August, August 20th, thing when she was found. She, um, a night before, or two nights before, I think it was two nights, I think on the 19th, she was at a, at a bar dancing, and people saw her, and they described the clothing, which is the same clothing she had on, which was a yellow halter type top, and um, she was out dancing, and when she was killed, she didn't come home, she just had an 11-month-old baby. Her boyfriend, her living boyfriend, was basically babysitting while she went out to go party. And uh, and they had that agreement. He was fine with it. He was not a partner. He liked to go to work. She liked to party. And they had a good relationship. So this is in Pascagoula. All this is going to be in Pascagoula except where her body's found. And so she is probably hitchhiking or she just was walking home. She was not far from where her home was, where she was partying. She could have walked there. It would have been no problem. And she walked mostly everywhere she went. She didn't drive a car. For investigators, Clara's murder had one unique difference from the others. She had been bound and drowned, not stabbed. But what really got Jackson County investigators' attention about her case decades later was the fact that Clara's body was found in the same place baby Jane was recovered in the Uscatawba River. And that was not the only case. One month after baby Jane was discovered, another young woman disappeared in Jackson County and her mutilated body was dumped in the exact same spot. That woman's name is Karen Ann Pierce. In Karen's case, suspects would emerge and leave investigators wondering if a self-professed serial killer was behind all of these murders, including what happened to baby Jane and her mother that cold night in December 1982. Love even said that a biker by the name of Spider had actually thrown Delta over that bridge. He was in a biker club. And then with the Delta case, he said Spider had hooked up with a mom who had a child. That's on the next episode of Solvable. <laughs>